Hello everyone and welcome to episode 31 of the Dirty Side of the Grid podcast where I've turned up late to qualifying but everyone has taken engine penalties so we're starting from the front probably just for Max to go and pass us and win anyway. Uh, my name is Mohammed, and once again I'm missing my co-host Yusuf. Um, stuff. Um, I, I screw it, we'll keep that in. Um, so it's been a while. I kind of did a Ferrari. They may not have over-promised and under-delivered. To be fair, I didn't promise anything, but I'm beginning to realise this is going to take a lot of time that I don't have. So the weekly episodes I can still manage, but the the other stuff, it's a bit personal, but I kind of find reaching out to people kind of exhausting anyway. Not that I don't want to, but I'm not very good at it. So I don't know, guests, extra things, adding stuff. I don't know, maybe it's just a bit soon to be doing that kind of thing. So this podcast will grow at its own pace, I guess. Hopefully if it grows as well. Um, but yeah. Horrendous race, extremely boring. So I was worried that there was going to be nothing to talk about. But then I remembered I've done nothing this month, which means that there's the entire summer break to be talking about. And luckily, loads of stuff happened. So we can start the new segment with the biggest news that came out uh, almost right after Hungary, maybe a little bit later. Sebastian Vettel announcing his retirement. I think it was actually before the race. I felt like I remember talking about this. Wow, I really have lost everything. I've completely forgotten about. I think the news broke just before I recorded the last one. But since then, his replacement is Fernando Alonso. I think personally, whether he sees it as a step forward or backwards, Alpine was always, I don't know, they made it very clear that they were balanced, weighing up their options with him and Oscar. So if Fernando wants to stay in the sport, why not just accept the two-year contract at a team that definitely wants him? I mean, obviously, the downside of that is Alpine is very clearly the fourth fastest car on the grid. So, if anything, it's definitely a step backwards. But if he was looking at not having a seat at all next year, which turns out he was right, uh, it's it's a fair move if he wants to spend his early 40s driving around at 200 miles an hour racing people in the early 20s. That may have been uncalled for, but we're going to have to... We'll get there. Um, Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren, I think I may have, I don't know what order this happened in, but around the same time, Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren have mutually agreed, mutually, to end his contract early, a year early, which would be at the end of this year. I mean, Personally, this is very clearly, I mean, everyone knows this is basically the Vettel situation all over again. Sebastian, uh, I'm referring to him at Ferrari, when they said it was a mutual agreement, but it was very obvious one side was still trying and the other saw that there were faster, younger drivers out there, thought that they didn't want any of it. So... I think it's completely understandable. A lot of Daniel fans are, you know, they don't like McLaren now. They they think they, I don't know, they see it as some sort of mistreatment and all the rest of it. And I don't know, I obviously I don't exactly focus on Daniel's situation as much as his fans will, but I feel like McLaren have been very supportive. It's very obvious. They're paying, I mean, the I don't know, the, the example everyone comes to, which is quite funny, is... Daniel obviously came in much more experienced than Lando. He got himself a good contract, being paid more than him. Got destroyed by him, which meant Lando could obviously renegotiate and up his price. And now he's ending the contract early, so he's getting even more money for leaving. So, I don't know. He's completely finessed them, to be honest. So, it's understandable why they'd offer to help him. And obviously, they want to support him because 
the best situation for both of them would have been for Daniel to perform, but he didn't. So there's only so much you can try and help him out before you're just like, well, we don't need this. There's other drivers out there. So I get it. Me, maybe there's more stuff to it, but I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I don't know enough. Maybe I'm not looking deep enough into it, but. I feel like they've done what they could and they tried, but he's got to go at some point. Like he has to go, blood. He has to go, blood. Um, Alpine, then with their missing seat for um, from Alonso, announced Oscar Piastri, their junior driver, a very good junior driver, to replace him, and then Piastri tweeted saying he wasn't going to go. Weird situation. Obviously, this implies that he has a seat somewhere else. And initially, everyone's thinking McLaren, especially since they've opened up that seat. But now, I think the longer this goes on for, there's rumours he could go to other places. Um, I think... I can't remember where, but I know Gasly is a driver that's meant to be moving. So maybe there's a seat out for Tari. I don't know if he'd take that. But now that, I don't know, the city season's erupted. There's all sorts of stuff going on. There's chat about Gasly potentially going to Alpine, but then obviously him and Ocon aren't really friends anymore. So I forgot what the situation was with that, but they used to be friends and now they're not. So Ocon doesn't want him there. But I think Mick Schumacher's being linked with that. Alpine seat. Alpine are now going to court to get the money back that they invested into Piastri's career, seeing as he's a junior driver. If he's not going to drive for them, it's it's all confusing. It's all going to court. It's all I don't know. It's it's all over the place, and nothing's really been put forward after that. So the McLaren seat's still empty. The Alpine seat's still empty. So once again, off track is more entertaining than on track. Uh, but speaking of on track, still got it, mate. Um, there was a lot of discussion. This uh, I never want to get too into this, and I don't know how much truth this was based off because I don't really look on. I keep myself to a very specific side of Twitter, but the general consensus was. Red Bull and Ferrari were running illegal flaws or flaws that were deemed not in the spirit of the regulations. So the directive was meant to come in Spa to clear this up and suddenly they'd all be two seconds too slow and Mercedes would go on and storm the victory or Ferrari would fall in the bin and Red Bull would dominate or Either way, Mercedes would be put into the picture and then one of the two top teams or both of them would fall off a cliff. Interestingly, Ferrari seems to be level on pace with Mercedes, but that kind of seemed on par with what was happening in just before the summer break anyway. And Red Bull are faster than ever. So once again, these extremely strong rumours have... I don't know, it's just gone back in everyone's face. So, I don't know, man. Everyone's a, an aerodynamics expert. I, yeah, I'm not going to say too much on that. Um, Yeah, and that's about it, to be honest, over the summer. I'm sure other stuff happened, but it's not really worth mentioning. Which gets us on to the race. Oh, I mean, sort of on the topic of the race. Spa. We've, me and Yusuf have talked a lot about Monaco being at risk of being dropped, Silverstone being at risk, and then now Spa came very close to being dropped off the calendar. But they have given it a one-year extension, so they have a contract for, to be on the calendar for next year, and that's it. Now... I don't want to credit F1 for doing something they should have done anyway. Um, 
so I hate being that guy. But like it just it needed to happen. I don't know why, especially only one year. Spa should definitely. I feel like there was a quote I saw. It was from an article. Someone said this, and I forgot who, but they said tracks like Monza, Silverstone, Monaco. I don't know if they included Monaco, but I would include Monaco. Mm. Like ones like that, they should remain on the calendar. And I feel like for, I'm not sure. I feel like my list of tracks that should remain on the calendar permanently is probably a lot longer than most people's because I would almost argue to add Suzuka uh, on there. I don't know because there's a lot of tracks with history. So let me, if I look at the schedule of the season, I feel like, I don't know, I wouldn't, it's tough because there's a lot of like Spain has been on the page as well. I wouldn't exactly say that should stay. Monaco would class, I feel like Canada's kind of, there's a lot, I feel like there's three tiers. There's like ones that should be in rotation that come in and go. There's ones that should stay permanently like Silverstone. And then there's ones that like, I would rather have them stay, but if they have to go, like, fair enough. But it would need something good to get rid of them. Like, Canada's one of them. I feel like I just, I don't want to see it go. But in reality, it is one of them that could just be dropped for something else. Uh, and that's not for location, that's purely nostalgia, to be honest. Um, I guess France has a long history of racing, so you'd want a track there, but like, even though the French Grand Prix wasn't that bad, I'm just, no, Hungary is another one, I guess. Um, I'm liking Austin. As much as it's not historic, I think the first one was 2013 or 2012. One of the two. It's one that, I don't know, I'd want to keep. But then in the, on the other hand, like, Mexico... Which is, I think they used it in the 70s, but then brought it back in 2016, maybe 15. I think it was 16. It's, it's one I wouldn't mind seeing dropped. Even though it's like a good location and stuff, I just, I have no emotional affiliation to seeing Mexico on the calendar, I guess. Brazil was also another one. They never include that in the conversation of like ones that should be permanently kept, but not having Brazil on the calendar, which I think was, I think there was conversation about moving it from Sao Paulo to somewhere else a couple years ago, but I would hate for that to happen. So, I don't know, I'm, as much as F1's a global sport and you want them to reallocate things and they want to look around and you want them to close their eyes and point to different spots on the map and then add four races in the US and eight in Africa and then make sure that they're going to all four corners of the globe and all of this like I don't know there's not enough space in the calendar for all of these tracks and if the Middle East and other places are gonna whip out 10-year contracts for tracks then I don't know it's just been it's just going to become a money thing isn't it like so I don't know I'm not liking the way this is headed but there's nothing really we can do about it. Um, yeah, I guess we just get into the actual race, which unfortunately, Spa is normally one where you go, you can overtake and it's exciting. And I love it personally, but it just wasn't a good one and definitely didn't do itself any favours with the awful performance. But luckily, I feel like Spa isn't one of the ones you go like, oh, the race was boring, let's get rid of it. Uh, or at least I hope people aren't saying that, because I feel like Stefano Domenicali will listen to anything anyone says. Like, the guy has no shame. I feel like as long as people are selling out tickets or whatever, he's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with F1. Which is interestingly, he's a former F1 team principal. And that's history. Interestingly, the stance uh, Mattia Bonotto has taken on uh, his team. So... Once again, we'll end that train of thought there. Uh, what do we see here? Right, so, I don't know. I feel like, same way I've set up Ferrari's championship uh, this year, 
being perfectly made for them and all of this. This race was uh, perfectly set up to be entertaining. We had Max and Charles together at the back, which means they could have pushed forward together. Loads of people taking engine penalties, which would have mixed up the grid. Mercedes at the front, or at the front-ish, with the second drivers of Red Bull and Ferrari, which on their good day, or on Mercedes' good day, can beat them. So, I don't know, I guess the idea was they would all battle it out and then you'd have Charles and Verstappen join in at some point. And we were robbed of that instantly. Uh, the race was insanely boring. Lewis and Alonso crashed on the first lap, so we didn't even get to see Lewis, who's, at least personally for me, obviously, the most entertaining part of any of the races. But I don't know, maybe for neutrals, he's quite entertaining now as well, having a faster guy in a slower car, trying to see what he can do. Unfortunately, the incident was also his fault. Uh, yeah. It's tough. I was kind of... The worst part is, in my head, as they were going down the Campbell straight, I was like, okay, he's next to Alonso. If there's anyone I'd want him to be overtaken on the first lap, I don't mind it being Alonso. I'd put Vettel and Kimi in there as well. Like, certain drivers, I'm just like... They'll, they know how to leave some space. And... Yeah, he turned in on him. Alonso obviously came out with the radio message. A lot of people were hating on him for the radio message, and I get it. It was definitely a, a salty, but we'll say it was heat of the moment. It it definitely wasn't heat of the moment when he came back around and wagged his finger at him uh, later on. But I think that, that might have been a lap later. No, yeah. It would have been that same lap, but it was at the end of the lap, so it would have been like a minute later. I don't know, man. The guy is... Yeah. I mean, I definitely... Put it this way, my opinions on that were tweeted in a video of Lewis overtaking him around the outside in 2007 uh, in the first race of the season. So I feel like that might have been in Alonso's head as well. Shame Lewis couldn't pull it off because I feel like with um comparing George being what like two seconds I think he was if I look at the results George was three seconds or under three seconds from a podium so I feel like it's safe to say Lewis would have secured third which is annoying but at the same time I. I just kind of want him to win every race now because the numbers are running out and I want him to win a race this season. So the fact that George didn't win it, I'm kind of glad because that means that it wasn't possible for it to happen. So it's not like the retirement stopped him from winning anything. Um, What even happens now? I mean, that was about it. Okay, so Latifi crashes, but Latifi crashes. Max, you might we might as well talk about Max to be honest. We'll start off with Max, <clears throat> and so I was doing some scouring on Wikipedia, which will become apparent why in a minute. And honestly, he might. The luck is insane, but he might actually be that guy. Like he's, as much as I don't want to say it, and as much as people are trying to get him into conversations that I don't think he belongs in and rating him much higher than he deserves. He's definitely better than I gave him credit for. And don't get me wrong, like I understand he's a generational talent and all the rest of it, but I saw his first lap. I mean, okay, first of all, the guy was P1 by lap 12 from 14th. Science had pitted, but he was in the net lead by P, uh, lap 18, which is just under half race distance. And then he went and put 20 seconds, which is like a pit stop, on his teammate Perez. Obviously, Perez is driving like my mum. I, <laughs> I was trying to think of someone who can't drive, but me. He might have been driving like me, but he's. Like, that's different. It's very... I don't even know. I feel like the thing that surprised me the most was <clears throat> I was looking at videos 
just on the F1 channel, like um, the onboards and stuff like that. And they showed Verstappen's first lap in full. And there were so many opportunities where he could have dived down the inside of someone. So many chances for it to go wrong. He could have gone steaming into the back of someone. Uh, there was actually a really interesting moment where he was side by side of someone and Lewis was going slowly down the lead into, is it Blanchem on the, uh, it's like a flat double left-hander. So they're all going full throttle. They're all over, like accelerating. He's side by side of someone and someone swerves out the way and Lewis's car just appears in front of him. And I think he did, I'm assuming they might have told him on the radio, but he did very well to avoid that. And there were so many instances, I think, of him just backing off, avoiding incidents, moving out the way. I think Stroll was another one that went diving up his inside and he had dirty tyres, so he kind of went a bit wider than he should have. But Max still did well to, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say is, I feel like Max from a few years ago wouldn't have known how to get around that. That would have been, I don't know, I probably saw like five instances where old Max would have gone steaming into someone, retired the car, crashed out, or ended up without a front wing. But he avoided all of that and still ended up in the net lead by lap 18. Um... Yeah, I mean, the guy's got everything at this point. Like, he's he's got three home races, if we count Austria. He somehow sniped Charles's front right with his hair off. Um, I don't know, he's got a solid long-term contract of Red Bull, which I'll admit I was questioning at the start of the season, but eight years of Red Bull doesn't seem too bad now. Um... He's going to win this championship with races to spare. And his nearest title rivals just... He's not even a rival. To be honest, it's, it's Perez. And I think Perez is a title rival anyone would take at this point. So, I don't know. The, he's clearly done something, right? I have no idea what he's done. I don't know if he's like sold his soul to the devil, but like he's... I don't even know what to say. Tough watch, but fair play to him. He's. It's hard to see him not winning the rest of the races. And if Ferrari remain his main title rivals, it's hard not seeing him win next year as well. Obviously, next year is very different. You have to redo it and all of this. But Red Bull's a team that knows how to win in a row and dominate and all the rest of it. So, I don't know. Are we in 2010 right now seeing a semi-competitive, not as competitive as 2010, but a semi-competitive season and we don't know what's coming? Because, I don't know, this feels weird. This feels like, I don't know, man. It feels like I'm looking up at the sky and I'm seeing like a half-built Death Star. Look, I've got the plans right here just in case just in case I can't miss it on my wall. But I don't know, I'm, I feel like I'm just seeing the shell of a Death Star in the sky. And or or it's the other way where like, I don't know if you haven't seen Star Wars, like the shot at the start of the films where they have the, what are they called? The, the flipping, the really big ships. <clears throat> where is it? Oh, wait, they're going to have a, the Star Destroyers, that's the one. It's like when they have the Star Destroyer coming over and then it puts like a shadow on the planet. I feel like they're just like lurking over. It just feels like we're on the brink of that. You get like that weird feeling in your stomach and you're just like, well, we just don't know what's to come. And it could be something horrific. And by horrific, I mean boring. Once again, on my Wikipedia endeavors, I found... I think it said the, the least the least number of world champions in a decade was the 2010s. And obviously, I already knew this because I know the world champions from this year to like 95 or something. But I didn't realize it was as bad as it was. Like Vettel won four years in a row. Like from the beginning of the decade, Vettel won it four years in a row. Lewis won it twice. Rosberg broke the the... Like he broke it in the middle. 
and then Lewis just won every year after that. And obviously there were rivalries in between. 2010 and 12, Alonso was close. Um, 14 was close with Rosberg. 16 was close with Lewis. 17 and 18 were close-ish at the start. And then 19, we're not doing 20, 19 was domination. Like it was, I don't know, it was like one year on and then one year off in terms of like completely wiping the floor of everyone. But it was still the same person winning. And I'm afraid we might be on the brink of that again. Because Max Verstappen's clearly capable of it. And if Red Bull managed to give him the car and the power unit to be able to do that, I mean, currently the only thing stopping him is the power unit. Everything else is in shape. The strategy's fine. The pit stops are fine. The car's good. The competitors are bad, which is helpful for them. The regulations have just changed, which means the next big one is in quite a few years. And that's not even to the aero. So if the aero package is good, the only thing they have to focus on is Obviously, still improving it, but getting the engine right. I don't know. It's it's not looking good, Brev. It's not looking good, Brev. Um, and to round off the the Max Verstappen segment, I guess the the reason I was on Wikipedia actually is. I thought, well, everyone's asking, is the championship over? The answer is yes. This isn't like last year where it's like, oh, yeah, but it probably is. But the points gap is big. But, you know, there's a chance. There's there's no chance. There's absolutely zero chance. It would take. It wouldn't just take Perez and Leclerc outscoring him constantly. It would take him having the worst end of the season you've ever seen. Like he would have to get hit by Latifi every race and then have Perez and Leclerc winning it for it to even work so he's pretty good so I thought let's spin it the other way let's see what kind of records he could break which personally I don't want to see but let's see what's possible um the first one is wins in the season this is the one that people are already uh questioning the record's 13, and he's on nine. So he needs four more out of the remaining. I believe there's eight remaining. I think there's eight left. Let me check. What round was Spa? I don't know. So we've got 15. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Eight races left, and he needs to win half of them, and he gets the wins in a season record. Obviously, there's 22 here. The most wins in a season came from, I think, who was it? I believe it was Michael Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel, even. Uh, Where is it? There it is. Yeah, both on 13. Uh, 2004 and 2013. But the difference is there were 18 races in 2004 and 19 in 2013. Max has uh, three more races to get this record. So doable. And if he does it before... Well, if he does it at Cota, Circuit of the Americas, then he will do it in the same amount of time needed because that's round 19. Uh, obviously, to offset this, you can look at the percentage because then you can divide the number of wins by the number of races and then have it more accurately represent what was doable in the number. Percentage wins in a season is 75%. So for him to win more than three quarters of the races, he needs 17 wins. Uh, he's on nine. So if he wins every single race that's left, which is unlikely, but potentially doable sort of it'll have to be an insane streak uh he could get that record as well the right this is a big one a lot of Vettel fans are hoping this one doesn't get broken this one is held by Vettel and Vettel alone most consecutive wins held by Vettel in the second half of 2013 it is nine and currently 
Verstappen's on a streak of three. So he could get it. But if the the moment he loses, the streak goes and he doesn't have enough time to to start it again. I believe this record, it probably doesn't carry over across seasons. It might do, actually. I'm not sure, but either way, I, whether it does or it doesn't, I don't think it counted. Oh, whoops. Uh, that was probably a horrendous sound. Uh, another one I found, which would work, is points between first and second. Once again, it's held by uh, Vettel in 2013. And the current gap, the current gap between Verstappen and Perez in second is 93. The record is 155. So with the added bonus of more races, I think that's definitely doable. Uh, so it's another record that's looking like it could be broken, I think. And then the last one, I mean, it's one that he couldn't do, but it's one people might be wondering about, I guess. The most races left um, if, with someone clinching the title, it was Michael Schumacher in 2002, I believe, or it might have been four, one of the two. And there were six races left when he won it. Now, this might be due to the old point system. Yeah, it was 2002 in round 11 of 17. Not going to lie, that's the year I was born. So I don't know exactly if this was partly because of the old point system, partly because some insane circumstances with his rivals or something. But yeah, Max can't exactly... I don't think it's mathematically possible for him to do that because then he would have won it at Italy, which is two races away. Um, but I think it's more likely the conversation is I think it's possible for him to clinch it in Japan and then uh, like fairly reasonable to assume he'll get it in either the United States or Mexico, depending on how things go. Which is so horrible to say out loud. Oh, my God. But yeah, there's that. Lovely. Um, interestingly, speaking of the championship and championship orders and titles and whatever, someone I've been interacting with, I found on Twitter, is Rob, who's an American who has a podcast called The Dirty Side of the Track. Interestingly enough, I uh, hadn't seen it before we came up with this name. Uh, and he actually made, I don't know, I can't say how or how accurately or whatever but he posted the actual championship alongside an adjusted championship without ferrari mistakes and then another adjusted championship without uh ferrari and charles's mistakes interestingly if this was reality sorry hit the mic again uh they would both be equal on 250 points so this championship didn't have to be over. It didn't have to be done this easily. Obviously, it's looking like Red Bull are now much faster than Ferrari. Maybe at certain tracks. I'm not sure if other tracks for the Ferrari will come alive, but it didn't have to be this easy. They've clearly bottled it. They've clearly uh, ruined things. And I feel like a lot of people give Charles too much I don't know, I feel like with the Vettel thing, his mistakes were much more obvious and it was clear he lacked confidence in the car and he wasn't that good and all the rest of it and he was spinning all the time. Maybe there was something wrong with the setup they were giving him or the engineers or whatever it is. Uh, and there were definitely some is issues with strategy and they definitely messed up some things, but I kind of see how it might have been like, I don't know, to put a number on it, like 60-40 Ferrari's fault or whatever it is, something like that. I feel like there's a too much emphasis on Leclerc's mistakes uh, this year. I feel like it's. I feel like the, a lot of the blame needs to be put on Ferrari with what they're doing, and just how this works. I mean, they they put him on the wrong tires in quality. Um, Max, I I don't even know. Like Max ended up the Charles went out, gave him a slipstream 
and Max on his first run still went six tenths quicker than any attempt Sykes could have got for pole, which is I I don't even it just hurts me to say it to be honest. Um I, yeah, I'm speechless, man. Then the oh yeah. Then there was the the strategy calls. I mean, they're clearly trying to get more of his opinion on it. They're clearly trying to. I don't know. They've probably had some sort of conversations with each other about wrong decisions or wrong calls and get me on in this. And now Charles is trying to be his own strategist, but you just can't do that. Like these guys, it's not like there's one guy with a pencil and paper looking at this and writing this and taking in this kind of like they have supercomputers and they've run simulations of what happens in the race the night before. And then they've got people not only trackside, but back in Marilello with I don't even know terabytes of data like coming in every minute from everywhere, taking in positions of all the cars on the track, lap times, data from simulations, practice, flipping, I don't even know the track temperature, the air temperature, the humidity, the the forecast of what would happen if we pitted now, where would we be, what would our pace be, what would happen, where could we end up? And I don't know if to get all of that clumped together and just ask your driver who can barely see over his over his steering wheel, what do you think about these tires? It's it's just a bit much. Like they were having a full on conversation. Like they could have made a podcast in that race with the amount of talking they were doing. And I just don't understand. I feel like it's just unnecessary pressure on him. Like Charles has still got it. I feel like people underestimate Charles in terms of his driving. In the same video with the onboards, there's a clip of Charles overtaking Stroll on the grass on the Camel Straight. He was probably going 180 miles an hour at this point. And he had two tires on the grass, overtook him. That's mad. But then, you know, he's doing all of this only to end up flipping. I don't know, man. Charles is like, I feel like Charles, there's, I'll see if I can find it. The thing that's just come to my head, there's this one video of Ronaldo when he's playing for um, Portugal. And he like, he finesses like three players, does them all, runs around them, whatever, and all of this, all the skill moves you can think of and whatever. Ends up chipping the keeper. And he's about to score like this insane goal. And Nani comes in from the back post and heads it in. And I think not only did he steal the goal, but he was offside which meant it was disallowed. And I feel like that just sums up Ferrari's relationship with Charles. It's like Charles can do all of this stuff and he can go out and he can pull out the best overtakes and pull out the best stint and do some great laps. But at the end of the day, he'll still get like screwed over. And I, it's just something like, it's just summed up with the fastest lap situation. Like I'm, I'm sure everyone knows what happened. But the fact he got the penalty and then lost the place to Fernando anyway. The fact he even came out just ahead of Fernando and then obviously got overtaken on the Camel straight. Like, how was he meant to get a fastest lap at that point? Like, they ended up going for an extra point and then losing, like, not getting that and then losing two from where they were if they didn't do anything. And then 93 behind. Like, they were already going to, they were like, I think it was 80 at the time, and they were going to lose more. So why take the fastest lap away from him? I understand you you want to, like, do this and championship mindset and every point counts, but I don't know, mate, it's, it's over. Like, why even try it? So many things can go wrong. I don't think any other team would have tried that if they had the slight gap because of like any mistake in the pit lane and he comes out two seconds behind Alonso, then he doesn't overtake him and his lap's ruined. And beyond all of that, he went six tenths slower than the lap itself. So was there even pace in the car to do that? I don't know if something went wrong on his last lap, but did he even have, is their car even capable of doing that anymore? Because Max wasn't trying. I'm sure they told him that he pitted for fastest lap and I don't think they cared. I just... It's tough. It's it's just so annoying. I feel like 
I don't know, it's a lot of wasted potential. I feel like there's a lot of wasted potential on the grid. I feel like Leclerc is it's tough. He's the longer this goes on for, the more annoying it gets because I feel like he's he's such a good talent, but you really need to car underneath him. But then if you say at the same time, Verstappen's been waiting up until last year for a good car. And he did his debut was like twenty fifteen. So as much as he's he's still like their age, he's also been racing since he was like well in F one since he was seventeen. So maybe they just have to wait. To be fair, he can use his time now to kind of iron out the mistakes and become a better overall driver. But Ferrari aren't going to win anything if they don't change something. And at first, takes admitting the fault in the first place, and clearly they're not willing to do that. Um. What else happened? I mean, that's about it in terms of events, to be honest. I don't really want to... Obviously, Mercedes are still in the bin. The W13 can... I can't wait for that car to vanish. Um, until I don't have to see it again. The the hope that was giving me was insane, but... They were better off just trying to... Instead of trying to win this year, it was better off for them just trying to go to court and get the last year's championship, to be honest. There's no chance they've got of getting this one. <sighs> and I don't even know. I'm already thinking to next year. This year's... Okay, it's not over, but like... I don't know. Things... 2023 is going to be a pivotal year. It's either going to be, it's going to mark, it's either going to confirm that this is going to be the beginning of Red Bull domination, or it will potentially give us hope. I I don't know. Either way, I'll probably have to do the, what's even is there? Yeah, right. Keep hitting the microphone, which best performance of I mean, it's you've just got to give it to Max, don't you? There's really no one else. Um, everyone's really in their place. I guess Sebastian did pretty well. Ocon did pretty well. I probably class them more as underrated, though. We'll give it to Max. The worst performance is uh, it's got to be by far the Ferrari strategy team again. They're uh, they're really going for it, and it's showing. Uh, Latifi has also got to be up there, finishing last when your teammates in the points, especially after the that spin was so stupid. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's like Max overshadows everyone and in, in a good way, and then Ferrari does it in a bad way. Uh, underrated, yeah, it's got to be Vettel did solid. Uh, Ocon also did insane. The the overtakes he was pulling off, two doubles, which were both really fun to watch. Um, yeah, there's there's really no one else who'd put a shout for that. Um, you know, actually going back to worst performance, Perez, easiest job in the world. How on earth is your team going to come from 14th, overtake you, and then finish 19 seconds up the road? I feel like that is just. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, obviously, the fact he finished second anyway is enough for Red Bull, and they don't care, and they'll give him a few more years in his contract as long as he he can finish as far below Max as he wants. Because if Max gets pole by a second, but Perez still gets second by, like, a tenth, he's got second, and that's all they wanted. So it's weird. I feel good. Like, I don't mind Perez. Good for him, but... It's just not fun to watch, is it? This is... I'm understanding now why people hate Mercedes so much. Because, like, there's just... There's nothing there. I like, I enjoyed 2019 and 2020, but... I understand now. It's brewing. I feel the hate brewing inside me. And I don't like it. I'm going to have to learn to enjoy it, though. I feel like it's not going to go anywhere. Um, What else do we even have? Yeah. That's it, man. The takeaways from this race are Max is going to win with 
three or four races to go. He's going to break at least one more record, most likely this year. And let's just hope this isn't the beginning of something much longer that marks the bird spell of domination in the last 12 years. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Um, fantasy. Oh my god, I haven't checked my fantasy team. So predictions. First of all, check out F1 Fantasy. I'm so annoyed I forgot to use my Mega Driver, but I'm thinking I might just slap it on Max for next week. Um, so that definitely didn't help me in the first half of the season. Oh, Bottas got me minus nine. That's tragic. I should really, I feel like the time has come to get rid of Leclerc and put in Max. Because, yeah, it's, it's over now. Leclerc's spell in the season is gone. So, let's see what the table's saying. I came fifth this week. Classic mid-table uh, result for me. Which uh, isn't what I need because I need to be making progress on people and it's just not working. I'm sixth overall. Very close to fifth. Uh, third and fourth are close. Yusuf is still leading, and I know for a fact he hasn't touched that team in the wheat. Uh, oh, wait, hold on a minute. That's... No, 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 no. He's changed it. Has he... I believe Yusuf... He's changed his team. At some point, not sure when, but at some point he's changed his team and he has managed. I mean, he's only got, he's come ninth, but not by a lot. And he's managed to get Leclerc and Verstappen in the same team. So, fair play to the guy. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to hang on this for too long. I'm I'm sick, so... Maybe I won't mention it so like I get good. It's so painful. I'm actually gonna finish like there's not even that many races to go. I'm gonna finish so far off. Ah, oh, this is tragic. And the actual predictions, okay. So do I base this off it based based on the fact that I didn't actually know about the penalties, I'm gonna go off qualifying. I should have known that Red Bull would be faster in a straight line. Oh, I'm so stupid. Okay. Oh, this is going to be bad. Qualifying, not the starting grid, was Verstappen, Science, Perez. I went with Leclerc, Science, and Max. So, Red Bull third, Science second. It's not awful. The race top three. I went with Lewis Perez science and I believe I got second and third right. Lewis being first was well off, but still. And the driver of the day, I don't even need to check. I'm assuming it was Max and I put down Lewis as the prediction. And the DNFs, I put down seven, clearly expecting a banger and there were two. Both, both in the first, like, two laps. So, good times. Definitely uh, quality stuff. Let me just, I'm just going to double check the driver of the day. Because, fairly certain it was Max, but I just want to make sure. Just in case it's someone else and I'm not giving them the credit they deserve. Nah, anyway. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. So. I mean, I, I did sort of well. Kind of. But next week in Zandvoort. Oh, do I want to predict another Max Verstappen win? High-speed corners. People are saying they might favour the Ferrari a little bit more. But it's okay. I'm just gonna go max pole. 
because, of course, I'm going to say I've got to assume Charles second and then Paris third. Will it be in one of them weekends where Paris is just off the pace or is he going to be good? I don't know. I'm going to say Max is going to lead with a dominant victory as much as I want to assume something fun will happen. Uh, I'm going to say Ferrari bottle it. So I'm going to say Perez second. And I want to, I want to pray Mercedes do well. I feel like they're not bad in the corners. Maybe if it's hot. I, you know what, Lewis podium. I want to say Lewis podium. He's been a consistent podium finisher-ish. The driver of the day. First, I'm going to say Max, just purely because Dutch fans are going to vote for him. DNFs, gravel traps in the Netherlands, a lot of twisty corners. How many were there last year? Um, I'm going to base it off what there was last year. The number in my head is like two or three. There were two. Oh, no, there were three. So I'm going to say, I'm going to back three. I kind of want to say four now. I'm going to go with three. I want to say four because I think they'll come off in pairs. I think it'll be an even number. That'll be a mad prediction if that's true. Nah, no, we'll go, we'll go with three. Yeah. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. All right. That's about it for me. So thank you very much for watching or listening. Um, leave a rating if you enjoyed or whatever, like on the video or five stars on whatever audio platform you use. Um, I guess I tried to delay this a little bit for, um, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with this. So I don't know if I'll just film it right after the race and then give initial opinions or if I want to wait a little bit, see if I can like watch some footage and then kind of adjust what I think from there just so I know more what happened because it's kind of hard to try and be entertained by the race and then keep up with what's happening in the midfield as well. Um, we'll see. Maybe I'll I'll strike a midpoint and then record it on like a Monday afternoon. Uh so I'll be back in a couple days for the Dutch Grand Prix, which was insanely boring last year. So we'll hope for something better. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you in a couple days.